my first day, he taught me how to crawl. Yeah. And he taught me how to roll over. And he taught me how to walk. He taught me how to march. He taught me how to run. It was, you know, from the bottom up, he taught me all of these things. And he looks at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> he's like, he's like, Isaac, you know, I, I, I've all this stuff we've worked on over these past few years. And you want me to build something for you? Why don't you do it yourself? And I was like, okay, that was kind of mean, but I get it. <laughs> like, I, I will do that. And that's what I made my first program. The strength of the bison is in the herd, and the strength of the herd is in the bison. Nice. And that, that carries a lot of weight because, you know, essentially what it means is you're only as strong as your weakest link. Hello, and welcome back. Today, we have a special guest. I got introduced to him through Jack Woolhouse and we connected and our paths are similar. So it's really nice to have you, Isaac. How are you doing? Good, good. How are you doing, coach? I'm good. So obviously we've kind of been speaking off air for a while, yeah. but just give us a quick introduction of who you are, your pathway up until this point. Yeah, for sure. My name's Isaac Aguirre. Obviously I'm from Toppenish, Washington, born and raised. I go by Coach Ike now. Spent some time at the high school level coaching a little bit after I got my exercise science degree from Eastern Washington University. Coached the track and field. I coached some throwers there. Got a few state medals coaching with my brother. Led into the whole football strength thing with the high school team. You know, got really tied in with my coaches there. Just just loved it, you know, working together as a unit. And uh, one thing led to another I ended up at the University of Washington for an internship, and that panned out great for me. Applied for a position here at North Dakota State University in, in Fargo, North Dakota, and got it. So I'm working here now as a graduate assistant, and I'll be getting my master's. Uh, really excited to, to learn more about you know the Bison Way, as we call it here. Much, much different than what we were doing at the UW, so it's really cool to, to be a part of it. Yeah, can you just explain a little bit of like what a graduate assistant is and how it is that you came about that position? Yeah, so the way I came about it was a little, uh, little bit of a, a loop-de-loop actually. Is I, I found the position through uh, another intern at UW. He sent it to me, and I applied for it. I got turned down. He said, uh, head coach Jason Miller said he already hired someone. I was kind of, you know, dang, whatever. And I'm applying to a bunch of other positions. And then I go to the gym one day and I get a call and it's Jason Miller. And he says, Hey, is this Isaac? You know, we, our last candidate had to move. He had to go on deployment. Um, you know, we saw your resume and wanted to reach out before we opened it back up. And I was like, hell yeah, man. Like, (laughs) let's, let's talk. And I talked to him for 20 minutes, had an interview the next day and, uh, called me five minutes after the interview and, and offered me the position. So, um, you know, I'm just, I'm blessed to be a part of it. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Um, for those who know FCS division one football, they know North Dakota state is, is incredible at football. Uh, I work with the Olympic sports, basketball, baseball, um, track and field, wrestling, all those sports that, that don't include football, <laughs> but um, it's, it's, it's great. It's, it's awesome to be here. I love it. Basically, as a as a graduate assistant, uh, you, you're a you're an assistant coach on the staff. The way the way they do it here, especially in Fargo, is there's a head coach, there's assistant coach, and then there's two GAs and a paid intern 
that that turns into a GA, which is the role that I'm in right now. It's getting accelerated through a, a one of the GAs getting another job, but basically you coach. <laughs> you're you're an, you're an assistant coach on the staff, and they they pay for your master's degree in in a related field, and you you get a free education, you get coaching experience, and you know that's that's pretty much the gist of it. It's 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 pretty simple. Uh, some would say it's a little little bit archaic in today's uh, in today's climate of you know working because you don't really get paid too much, but that's not really what it's about. You know, you, yeah. you get a free education, you get the experience, and and you get to build something special with people that you care about, and that's that's something that I that I said in my interview with with coaches. I I, I want to go somewhere that can feel like home because I don't want to yeah. end up stuck you know, somewhere for three, four years, hate it. And then I don't even want to coach anymore because I got a sour taste left in my mouth. So, you know, that's, that's really what, what it's about for me. Um, I'm only three weeks in here at North Dakota state, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm loving it. I get to train every day with my other coaches that I work with, you know, I'm working on my Olympic lift progressions, getting back into the cleans. I'm learning the snatch now. It's awesome. Nice. I love it. Age is the best one for that. Yeah, I, AJ gets down on those clean and jerks, man. I was watching him. I'm like, okay, I'm not messing with AJ no more, <laughs> man. <laughs> so you, you mentioned that you kind of are in the athletic side, so you do multiple sports. What's the sort of difference you found between all of them? Like having not to jump many, between them? Not too many differences, really. Um, right. Not too many differences. We're all We're all the same species, right? We're all humans. We all have to adapt to the same you know, problems and in athletics, especially, right. Uh, The main difference I would say would get into like the auxiliary lifts. So a wrestler, we do a lot more like neck exercises because wrestling, you're you're getting tugged on your neck quite a bit. Whereas with a, you know, a volleyball player, they'd probably be doing more, you know, overhead presses when you're doing your auxiliary lifts, stuff like that. But the meat and the potatoes of our training here at North Dakota state is the Olympic lift progressions. That's we we work our way up to you know progressions in that you know sense. We we start with with block pulls. We start with trap cleans. We move up to hang cleans. We do three position hang cleans, and then we can you know see how that looks and whether or not this athlete can progress to to power cleaning from the ground. Mm. You know, because we we have a top down building, I guess you could say to. Uh, how we do our Olympic lifts progressions. You know, it, it's got to look from the top before we can get to the bottom. And it works. You know, these athletics here have great success for a reason. And the university, you know, continues to, to put money and to, to build the strength and conditioning here. They just built a brand new facility for football here. Oh. It's a brand spanking new weight room off the charts. Incredible field house with an outside field, like garage doors right outside of it. I mean, it's Ooh. incredible. And they, they do it because they believe that the Bison way works. You know, they, yep. they believe in, in, in uh, Coach Kramer runs the football and Coach Miller runs the Olympic sports. They believe in these guys. And it's it's shown over the past 20-some 20, 20 years that it's it works. So, you know, if you have success, why change it? Yeah. Don't fix something that's not broken. Yep. Can you give us a little background of your sporting history? I know you mentioned that you coached track and field and you did a bit of track and field yourself. So if you just go through that as well. Yeah, so my first 
introduction to sports, I was I was in the eighth grade. I was probably about 14 years old, I would say. I uh, I got into track and field. Um, ironically, I got into track and field because I had a crush on the manager. So <laughs> I was like, yep, I'm doing track. And, you know, I get there and I'm like, this is pretty fun. You know, I was a shot putter. I was a discus thrower. And what's cool about track is you get in what you put out. And yeah. if you want to work really, really hard at it to be really, really good, then then do that. But if you just want to come hang out and chill with your friends and, and, you know, eat snacks in the tent, then you can do that. Like that's there's there's room for everybody in track and field. And I think that's what sucked me in right away. It's like, OK, I can work really hard at this and get, you know, potentially really good. Um, so I just loved it. And I wanted to find out what can I do to get better at this? You know, I, I want to throw farther. I was, I was immediately hooked and hungry to get better. And that's when I found coach Piper, John Piper. Um, my brother who was also my throws coach in high school. Um, he's like, you want to get better. You, you got to do Pipers. And, and John Piper, ironically enough, was also my elementary school PE teacher right. and he, he ended up back at the high school level uh, where he was uh, strength training and he, he ran a PE class as well but it was called performance training and it wasn't the standard PE class where you just show up and suit up and, and shoot balls this was we're training this is real you know athlete style training and I did his introductory program going into my first year of high school which you know we just learn things. We just learn mm. how to do everything. It wasn't like we were loading up our backs with a bunch of weight on squat or trying to pull from the ground on power clean. My first day, he taught me how to crawl. Yeah. And then he taught me how to roll over. And he taught me how to walk. He taught me how to march. He taught me how to run. It was, you know, from the bottom up, he taught me all of these things. And there was a couple other kids in that group with me. Uh, I believe Bo Widener was in that group with me yeah he's a grew up across the river from me good kid shout out to Bo um but it was a, it was it was a blast you know and 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 I realized then like okay I'm seeing these changes in my body already imagine what you know if I stick to this what can happen mm -hmm. and I again I just wanted to find out more ways to get better at track and field my brother said play football be an athlete do multiple sports so I joined the football team and boy was I bad I had no clue what I was doing, but it was fun. That that's my first team sport, and you know when you when it's you and and the ten other guys on the field, and you're going up against eleven guys on the opposite side of the line of you, you you bond, you have fun, and it's I wouldn't change it for the world. I I loved playing football, and I never really loved it as much as track and field not until mm. i got a little bit older like you know towards the end of high school is when i really figured it out in football i got some varsity time as a junior in high school and then going into my senior year i was like you know what i got whooped all year i'm gonna take my training to the next level and that's when i went to john piper who had been training me for the past three years and i said you know what? i love your program it's done incredible things for me but can you can you build me something that I can do, you know, to double up on. Can I do it, you know, in the afternoon, right? So I can get two training sessions in a day. And he looks at me like I'm crazy. He's like, he's like, Isaac, you know, I, I, all this stuff we've worked on over these past few years, and you want me to build something for you? Why don't you do it yourself? And I was like, okay, that was kind of mean. 
but I get it. <laughs> like I, I will do that. And that's what I made my first program was, you know, it was horrible. It was, it mm. was disgustingly bad, but I did it. And, you know, I went from 24% body fat to 16% body fat in the course oh. of 12 weeks. And I was 272 pounds and then I was 264 pounds. It was, it was stark difference in my athletic abilities in just a short amount of time, relatively 12 weeks isn't that long. And I took a lot of pride in that program. I mean, I, I swear it changed the world for me. And I ended up becoming an all-league football player. Um, had nice. more success in football than I did in track and field, which was weird because I, I felt like I dumped more time into track. But football just kind of worked out for me, and it was it was awesome. I loved it. Um, yeah, I guess that's pretty much it for my athletic career. I didn't do nice. anything after, after uh, high school. I didn't get any looks for college. And, you know, I probably could have – played at a lower division school you know now that i know how you know college athletics works and these division mm. three programs you know they bring in players all the time but it's just i wasn't really tapped in with it i had no clue what i was doing at that age so so I, how does that progress from obviously being coached making your first program to then wanting to become a strength and conditioning coach yeah that was probably around you know i was probably 15 or 16 in my second year of high school, I told, uh, I told Piper like, Hey, this is, this is something that I love. You know, I love what you do and I, I want to do what you do when I, when I get older, when I grow up. And he said, he's like, all right, well, you need to go to Eastern Washington university. You need to study exercise science and you need to, you know, get involved in the field. And I said, okay. And I, I, I mean, if I could have signed a letter of intent, to Eastern Washington University that day, I would have done it because my mind was set. I was going to Cheney, Washington. I was going to study at EWU and I was going to get a degree in exercise science. And that's exactly what I did. And that I, I never once looked back. You know, I, I had my thoughts about maybe I should change this up. It's not really working out, but I did it. You know, I stuck to it. It took me, it took me five, five and a half years to graduate. Huh. It usually takes people four. But I stuck to it, and that's because it's something I believed in. It's something that I loved, and it's something I knew I wanted to do. And you know, I, I would say it's working out pretty well now. I mean, yeah, I would say so too. <laughs> so, I, me and you've sort of spoke about this earlier, but we're really into like the movement competency of developing athletes. Like John Piper, as you said, got you to crawl, got you mm -hmm. to walk got you to march mm -hmm. so there's like that clear progression how do you now implement these things with some of the programs that you're having to build uh well it, obviously it's a little bit more on the advanced side now we're mm -hmm. division one athletes opposed to 13 14 year old kids so basically what what we do for speed training here at north dakota state we it's very similar we start them off with a march we start them off just doing a knee hug pulling up extending at the top and feeling that tension as they hit the ground and what we we rep this out constantly 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 and then we'll work up to a march and then work up to an a march and i've been here for three weeks and i've only seen one team sprint we like most of the teams are not ready to sprint yet so coach still has them working on those marches every single day and it's it's not like you know we're trying to hold these kids back a lot of them are ready to do it but he has the 90 percent rule here at uh in fargo which i love and is if if you can't have 90 percent of your athletes doing the same thing 
then it's it's not a good exercise for the group, right? If you're going to have, you know, a quarter, half of your athletes in that group doing a regression of an exercise that the other half is doing, it's not good for the group. It's not good for the team. You want to keep them all together as much as you can and keep them doing the same thing. And that's something that, I, you know, I'm constantly just taking notes on everything. This guy says, I think he's a guru. I, I love working for Jason Miller. Um, you know, he just, he, he does, he does things like that mm. for the athletes, right? For the team. It's all about the team here. And, you know, um, we're working with, uh, with wrestlers right now and, you know, trying to get them on their clean progressions. And we're not, you know, entirely sure that they're ready to work up to a power clean, you know, in terms of the new, you know, freshman incoming guys. So we have them on a trap clean, which is basically, you know, you just do like a, a single shrug and then you, you do like a squat clean into it. Uh, hard to demo here on, on the chair, but so, you know, and it's all about getting the stimulus, right? It's not necessarily yeah. about how the movement, you know, progresses and how much weight we have on it. If we're getting the stimulus of what we want, then we're, we're succeeding. We're having a good day of training. Yeah. Can you just give us a little bit more of an explanation on what the 90% rule means and how yeah. that? So the way I see it here is you can't have, you can't have an overwhelmingly large portion of your team on a power clean if another large portion of them are still on a hang clean, right? So I got, let's say I have, say I have 30 guys on the baseball team in the weight room. 15 of them are power cleaning and 15 of them are hang clean. That means when I'm bouncing around rack to rack, I got to coach two different exercises at the same time. Is that proficient? Probably not. Right, that's I'm gonna be off now when I hop rack to rack. Okay, mm -hmm. you know, let's let's hinge down to our knees, and then, okay, let's now let's get into the squat. Let's let's get our hips low. Wait, hold up, I, I was supposed to be on hand clean. Oh, dang it! Like I gotta move. You know, that that's the way I see it. Now, that'd be a good question for Jason, uh, for Coach Miller. I gotta ask him that. But you know, it's it, it makes a sort of a mess, and it makes you look mm -hmm. like a bad coach if you're having to to jump around and teach, you know, half the guys this and half the guys that. And it's it's just not as efficient. So I think my point of view is, you know, if 90% of them can do it and we can work with three guys on the side, then you're golden. That's that's yeah. the way I see it. That's actually something that me and Jack spoke about um, on our podcast is that that's one of the biggest things that we learned at UW is like, how can we go from point A to point B in the like straightest line, so like mm -hmm. everything runs off tri or quad sets. Everything's sort of in a circuit type deal. So even when you're getting all your equipment, you set up beforehand, mm -hmm. get everything ready. So like when you come to the session, everything's done, everything's ready to go, and then that session, you're exactly right. Like if you're having to now coach two different exercises when everyone's doing like. 50% doing one, 50% doing the other, it makes coaching a lot harder because you're having to now think of your cues, coach your cues while keeping that energy about the sort of lift. Mm -hmm. What are some of the ways that you've found getting everyone ready for that 90%? Well, I think, like I mentioned earlier, the top down, looking at everything from the top down is not only a good thing for power clean, but it's a good thing for 
for all exercises and that's not even just athletes that's general population mm. you know how many times you go to the gym and you see someone doing a, a horizontal jump with a band around their waist you know connected to the wall it's like dude you, you can't even horizontal jump like let's <laughs> work on let's work on a reactive jump forward and then let's work on that horizontal and then maybe we'll add some resistance you know, it's you got to view it from the top down. If it looks bad up top, then let's let's build that and then start to work down towards the ground. Almost like the, you know, the foundation of a house, but just flip flopped. Yeah. Right. So if you have, let's say, I don't know, five guys who are progressing, you know, well beyond the rest of the wrestling team, they're, you know, doing incredible at the hand clean. OK, well. I have 25 other guys who, who, who are not so hot at the hand clean. They need a lot more work. How can I make it? How can I make it better for those five guys? Mm. Well, we just go up and wait. We just we load. We we put more load on it. It's not like we have to progress those guys significantly further along in their training because they're better athletes because they're stronger guys. Like no, we just we increase their load on that exercise to help them adapt to the rest of the group because it's. Uh, What's the saying they got here? The the strength of the bison is in the herd, and the strength of the herd is in the bison. Nice. And that, that carries a lot of weight because, you know, essentially what it means is you're only as strong as your weakest link. And if you if you can't be strong together, then what are we? We're not yep. a team. 100%. Um, and that's an interesting point that you brought up is, like, the intensity levels can be altered very differently as well. So, obviously, you've got load. You've got rest time you've got the amount of exercises that you're going so like working with intensities can also be a really good way to adapt those players are perhaps going up or Mm -hmm. still hanging back can you sort of explain a little bit of a difference that you found between sort of the bison way and sort of the dog way um yeah i think a, a big thing obviously is our our sessions look totally different than what they look like at UW. I sent you uh, yeah. a picture of of, uh, of my my card. We use a card system here uh, in Fargo, and we do five, six, seven exercises a day with our athletes at UW. How many think we were doing? What, 15, maybe like 13, 16. 12, 16 exercises? And that's, it's, it's incredibly big difference not only in an exercise but um the load is a lot more uh i guess it's, it's a lot more exact you know we go around to each rack and and, and we see sets so the a coach sees a set every time and has yeah. a number for them on their next set okay that looked really good let's go up five okay that looked not so hot let's go down five you know that sort of thing we always say you know uh, we want to see your, we want to see your first, we want to see your seconds, we want to see your thirds, and we'll give you a wait for next week. So after we see their third set, if it looks awesome, okay, we're probably going to start them a little bit, maybe 10, 15 pounds heavier on their first set next week compared to where they were at this week. And it, it, it feels a lot more individualized to an extent uh, here, here at North Dakota, but also we, we don't have 120 guys in the weight mm-hmm. room. You know, we, we, we have that ability to do that here. I think we, we, we take a little bit slower of a pace where um, like a freshman comes in 
uh, to University of Washington, and they kind of just they get thrown in there. They get thrown in with the Sharks, right? And they have to catch up to the other guys. Where here, it's more we we're, we're going to build them up together. We're going to build them up with with the you know the guys who've been here, the veteran guys, and you know those guys are going to take a regression in one of their exercises or two or three of their exercises so that the new guys can catch up. That I was trying to pull up your card, but I think because of the Instagram way, it's disappeared. Oh, did it really? Um, yeah, it's all good though. Um, so in terms of sort of building that program, what are the sort of things that you look for? In that, in like building a card? Yeah. Well, you want to relate it to their sport as much as possible. But like I said, there's a clear bread and butter to what we're doing here at North Dakota State, and that is Olympic lift progression. We always start with an Olympic lift, um, some sort of you know progression or regression of that, whether it's an overhead squat preparing us for a snatch, uh, a hand clean progressing us to get to a power clean, a deadlift. Uh, we, we use deadlift here, which is another big difference between uh, UW. I, I love that we deadlift here. I love deadlift. Um, Can you explain maybe why not and why they do? Why they do and why they don't deadlift? Um, I would imagine, I think we deadlift here. I haven't asked, which I, I should probably ask why they deadlift. Um, I think the reason we deadlift here is because essentially it is preparing you for the pull from the ground on the power clean. Right? It's pretty relatable. We, 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 we deadlift from the same stance, same grip as a power clean. And if I can pull 300 pounds, that, that's going to boost my confidence mm -hmm. when I'm trying to pull 200 pounds on a power clean. You know what I mean? So I, I would imagine that's why we're doing it here. I, I never asked why we don't deadlift at UW. I, I really should have asked. But I, I always kind of figured deadlift was a shunned upon thing in athletics. So I just kind of, <laughs> you know, hid in the bushes for that. And then I'd pull out my deadlift bar and start lifting after the after the players <laughs> left. Um. <laughs> I think I I think I did speak to AJ about this and I think it's that risk to reward ratio. So they're trying to get athletes as, from point A to point B as quick as possible because they have to all go at the same workout. And I think teaching a deadlift, like a proper deadlift in that sort of environment is harder to do when you're trying they've got like fifty to fifty five minute sessions. And then they're having to go through 16 exercises. Yeah. I think that learning curve between sort of learning the proper way of deadlifting to maybe just a trap bar, you're in a better position. They do a lot of the, uh, trap bar deadlift at UW. Yep. yep. So I think it's that risk to reward ratio that happens there. Mm. Yeah, That's... we do. We do trap bar deadlifts as well with our, our basketball. Our men's basketball doesn't deadlift uh, conventional. We deadlift with trap bars, actually, mm. which is um, a, a lot different than, than the other player, than the other teams, right? And I'm not, I'm not sure the, the philosophy behind that. Um, you know, obviously being strong here versus being strong here, what's, what's the huge difference? It's minuscule, you know? Yeah. Like, at the end of the day, like, if we want to – you know, get a, a deadlift stimulus, we could probably just clean pull and it'd be it'd be better for our athletes anyway. Um, but I, I have to agree with AJ on that. Like, if you got, you know, 60 guys in the weight room, 
between 18 racks, a deadlift goes from looking really good to mm-hmm. looking really bad super fast. I mean, you, the first rep can be, you know, mint. And the second rep, you got a guy curving his shoulders over the bar. His core's not tired. Angry cat. The way up in the air. Like, whoa, dude, what happened? <laughs> that's <laughs> that, like, that's what we call a train wreck here in Fargo. We get, like, we always mention, and, and after every session, we meet up. Is there, was there any train wrecks? Oh, okay. <laughs> like, like you, yeah. We did like, something uh, right. <laughs> like, come on, man. Like, no, I, I think as well, like, obviously, American football, as I found out, is a very high testosterone type sport. Oh, yeah. If you've got like 60 guys wanting to compete with each other mm-hmm. and you're having that deadlift and then they're like, I've definitely had to pull some athletes back from going up with because they were getting challenged. And I was like, dude, like, I get why you want to go up, but I want to see you out in that field today. Yeah. yeah. So for me, it's more like, that's fine. Like if you want to compete, but your your chance at injury, like mm-hmm. this is what's at stake if you do do that. So for them, it was kind of like, yeah. Yeah, and I I love it. I love the competition in training. Mm. I really do. I mean, especially when I'm when I'm working with the throwers here, like they they compete. They're they're screaming. They're yelling. And and these are these are male and female athletes all in the room together. It's awesome. I'll get a video for it and send it to you. Yes, please. uh, Next time, because they they go crazy and they compete with each other. That's it's 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 always a competition, and you know. Like if we're working with the basketball team, somebody loads up one, you know, one ninety five on the bar, and they smash it out for five on bench, and they they get up there running around, you know, feeling real good. <laughs> and then the next guy's up, I'm doing two hundred, and it's like, oh, okay, well let's see it. And he throws up, you know, five reps, easy, smooth, and he's getting up, he's looking, he's feeling even bigger, you know. And the next guy, well, I'm gonna do two hundred five, and you know that it just it feeds on yeah. itself. And the competition in the weight room. Is an incredible thing, and and if it if it's if it's done correctly, if it's facilitated safely, I'm all about it. But where do where do the coaches get lost, right? Where mm. where do we okay? Oh yeah, you know, let's go up, let's go up, and he looks like a train wreck by rep three. We got to pull him off that now. Mm-hmm. He loses confidence. She loses confidence. You know, and then they they didn't finish their set. You know, so like we we got two losses on that from one set just because. We thought they could go up five pounds, you know, not only did we, did we lose our stimulus from training, but we lost confidence. And that's the biggest thing for athletes, right? At the end of the day, we compete on the field, we compete on the court, we compete, you know, in the ring, we don't compete in, in, in training, right? Training is training for a reason. That's, I was, I should probably correct myself in that. I do like, I obviously like to push my athletes and always challenge them for the biggest weights, but it's what you said. It's that sensibleness. Mm-hmm. of knowing when they can push and when not yeah. to. And that all comes from experience. Like you've worked, you've seen probably thousands of athletes just walking through and just, you know what athletes you can push, you know which athletes want to push, but you kind of need to keep a like a, a short leash on them. Yeah. Not to go too wild. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. What are the mixed sessions like? You're the first coach that I've ever had having mixed sessions all at once. Like, like different athletes or, or you mean, uh, male female and female. Male. Yeah. Um, so when I'm, when I'm working with any sort of track and field group, it's male and female mm. and we have, you know, we'll, we'll have girls at one rack, 
boys at one rack, you know, so on and so forth. And all the girls at the same height at one rack, that sort of deal. Um, it's really, I mean, I was coaching at the high school level, so it's, it's nothing to me. I mean, that to me, that's where I thrive. I've had more success in the weight room training girls, training female athletes, and I've had more success coaching female athletes in track and field. Uh, one of my best athletes I've ever coached um, when I was coaching at Toppenish High School, she is incredibly successful. She has the school record in the shot put. She has a school record in the discus, and she has two more years of high school left to improve on those marks. Mm. She has five state medals. You know, she's yeah. one of the best athletes I've ever worked with, and I've worked with Division One athletes. You know, um, and and I think I think what it is is with with male athletes, you have to battle before you can bond, mm. and with female athletes, you got to bond before you can battle, and that's sort of where I've always shined as not only a coach, but as a person, I've been able to, you know, to tap into people's personalities and get them to crack and get them to break pretty easily, especially athletes to where, okay, I trust this guy. He's cool. He's funny, whatever. And then I can coach them. And that, that's kind of how it is for female athletes. Whereas boys, you know, I had a guy in, in, in the weight room the other day, it was probably last week. We're doing clean poles and, and he's he's a, he's a big strong kid. He's a he's a jumper, I believe. Um, he's he's getting irritated. He's mad because he's clean pulling, and he, he's throwing the weight up way up here, mm. like like it's and you know he's saying that's too light, it's too light, like blah blah blah. And I'm like, no, dude, like a clean pull, like we're just we're just pulling it up here. We're just pulling it to our hip. We don't have to bang it out. We don't have to pull it up to our chest. And he's like, it's too light. It's too light. Like I can power clean, you know, umpteen whatever he said. And, you know, just kind of like got to talk him off that cliff a lot of the time. It's like, dude, look, we're doing this for a reason. You know, like we're, we're going to progress to those harder lifts. We're going to put more load on the bar. You just got here. Like, let's let's see what we're working with. Show me you can do it right. Mm. And then we can do the fun stuff. We can move on to the cool training. You know, that let's walk before we can run. Let's walk before we can run. Let's let's roll over before we crawl. That sort of stuff. Yeah. Like it's it's it it's huge and it's it's a that's the clear definition between male and female athletes. But at the end of the day, ball is gonna ball. And mm. they are all incredible athletes. They're at division one college for a reason. Um and the intensity is the intensity is just about the same. I might say the girls might get after a little bit more. Yeah. I would 100% agree with that. I, I did my um, dissertation on female athletes' perception of strength and conditioning coaches. Really? And, like, their effectiveness, yeah. And, like, female athletes don't care who's in coaching them. As long as they're competent and they can demonstrate their knowledge, they just get after it. Whereas male athletes, you're kind of having to – there's more of that – interpersonal differences that you kind of need to navigate and sort of figure them out and figure out how they like to be coached before you can attack them and push them and really elevate it but women they just they're very receptive as well like if you say to them let's do a back squat got it back squat straight away oh wait you could have actually moved your ankles out a little bit just to to make room for you to get in perfect next set do it perfectly yep. whereas male athletes they tend to like why just ramp up yeah why do i have to do that what what is that doing 
they the male athletes you're right they tend to they tend to need a reason to do something or a female athlete is just like aye aye captain and they just run in and do it for you 100 percent. so because you have got a lot of female athlete experience and this is something that my research picked up on um was that a lot of male snc coaches tend to not speak about like the menstrual cycle and how that impacts them in the gym how have you found that impact in your sessions um that's it's it's actually pretty cool that you mentioned that because i was i was at a coach a track and field coaching clinic last year and i sat in on on mm. coaching female athletes and and that was a huge topic at hand was was menstrual cycle and they i don't know the research behind it but they actually talked about how when a female athlete is 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 on her cycle that she's at peak performance and the, she was saying uh, i can't remember the coaches who were on this board but um oftentimes some of the best athletes are are hitting their prs in their in their races while they're on their cycle and it's it's not i'm not sure what it is i i, I haven't looked into it enough but um i never ran into any sort of problems at mm. all i you know luckily I've never been at a state championships and my athlete tell me, Hey, this is going on, you know, fingers crossed for my brother, <laughs> but I, I haven't had that issue yet. And, and, you know, I'm thankful for that because then that's, that's a whole nother, you know, it's a confidence thing. It's a, it's a feel good thing. You know, if you, if you're going in to whether it's, it's the basketball court or the ring and you're feeling bloated and, mm. and you, you know, that that takes away your confidence, takes away your ability to to be you know to be who you are, right? So obviously it has implications. There's yeah, I would say so too. <laughs> a lot of people who think it makes them a better athlete, and you know I, I think obviously it's up for debate. And whatever the research says is is probably going to dictate the truth on that. Yeah, I'll send you my paper so you can have a little read. I would. Um, so what I've found from the athletes that I spoke to and they were sort of like national level to Olympic um, athletes and they were like two weeks running up to your period like that's when they're the strongest that's what I found obviously research although it's good to go off of there's obviously going to be that change between people to people Mm -hmm. I might have just caught the athletes that are worst leading up to it I have also heard the opposite, though. So it's it's not a guaranteed thing. Everyone's individual as well. But during that run-up, that's when they're at their highest. That's when they peak. That's when they think. But during their period, again, it's that emotional thing. Like, they're run down because their body's obviously going into destroying whatever yeah. is in there. And then they have to compete. Then they've got, depending on what female is you could bleed through you could not bleed through and i think making sure that your athletes are sort of being asked hey look how are you feeling how did you sleep yeah what have you ate today i think that, keeping on track of that is key that checklist is that that's something that those coaches on that board also mentioned standardize a checklist for all your athletes so that when the question comes up are you on your period it's not weird. It's not awkward because, mm-hmm. you know, we've had this checklist every Friday before meets, you know, since you were a freshman in high school. 
And that's something I didn't do, and I really wish I, I did. I actually have my notes. I read these notes not too long ago on this, which is pretty funny that you're asking about it. But, um, yeah, like that that sort of thing, having a, a whether it's a daily or a weekly checklist, mm-hmm. you know, is huge. Because when those when those weird, potentially awkward conversations have to come up, they're not weird or awkward because this mm-hmm. is something that we do every day. Yep. I actually had to develop a script because of it so that if coaches were sort of looking for a way to approach it, they could read the research and be like, okay, got it. So it essentially goes, it depends, obviously, it depends what kind of sport you're in. If it's an individual sport, so you, you kind of have to be a little bit more careful. With a group setting, you can sort of say it as it is and it's a little bit more accepted. But essentially, you gather the females around and just say, look, I've read up on this. I I know essentially what happens during your period, during your phases. So I'm not saying that you have to come up to me straight away and tell me about all the details, but just let just to let you know that if you if your period or your menstrual cycle is impacting your performance in any shape, way or form, come and talk to me and we'll make adaptations for your program. Mm-hmm. That then puts the ball on their side of the court to yeah. approach you or not. If it is impacting them, okay, come speak to me. We'll have a look at your program. Obviously, group settings is a little bit harder to adapt every program to each individual cycle. So it's sort of just managing their load and their resistances and whatever else that they may need during that time. Yeah, you know, you say that. And I wonder, you know, just kind of a thought I just had, now that you said that, I wonder how many, you know, of these premier elite-level athletes build their program and their periodization around their PMS, mm-hmm. you know, like I want to peak at this time. And, you know, I have a rough guesstimate of when my cycle is going to start, you know, like I got to train through that or around that, whatever, you know, route they wish to take uh, that, that would be really cool to see, you know, how many, um, how many of them are, 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 you know, periodizing around that. Yeah. So that is something that was brought up in my research as well, but there wasn't enough for me to talk about it. So I kind of just had to, keep it at bay but it was that a lot of these high like elite level athletes during competitions if they see that their menstrual cycle is landing during that competition they'll take oral contraceptives to stop that from happening really yeah huh that i would have never even considered that is interesting so they'll it's like that risk to reward ratio because obviously yeah. there's side effects to it. It's a it, yeah. you're putting hormones into your body, but they would rather compete at their level highest level than have to deal with their menstrual cycle. That is incredibly uh, new to me. I would have never even thought of that. Like it, it is amazing how much they have to go through, and a lot of them will be suffering, but they won't say anything in fear that they'll get made to feel less than an athlete or less yeah. than a male athlete. Well, that's because girls are way tougher than boys. Like, I mean, I'm sure you've seen it with your clients all the time. When I, w- I did my first internship at a, uh, as a personal trainer, I was working under a personal trainer and female-owned gym, female trainers, primarily female clientele. And I think that was a huge stepping stone for me in terms of coaching as well. Um, but the amount of guys who wouldn't show up to training sessions 
I mean, it was crazy. Hey, I'm not going to make it. Can you tell Vanessa I'm not going to be there? Yada, yada, yada. Women never miss their transitions. Ever. Ever. I don't think I And it's not. It's honestly, female athletes are more in sync with what they want and their goals. Mm -hmm. As soon as they have that goal in mind, that's it. Like, you're not shifting that. Yeah. Like, I've coached a, a female netball team. And, like, so I did their SSC. It was just, like, on the courtside stuff. And I've never been cussed out as much as I have. Like, they cussed me out minute by minute. And I was like, damn, like, what is going on? <laughs> but after the session, they would stop and be like, that was a really good session. Thank you that. Thank you for yeah. that. Yeah. Like, that, was, that was amazing. I was like, so what you were saying like five seconds ago. <laughs> yeah, ten minutes ago, you hated my guts. Like, what happened? Yeah, so like their mentality is completely different. So, what was that like training track and track and field? Um, you know, I, I obviously most of my success was was with the female athletes. We had a um, we had another state competitor boy, but he was kind of more on the not so receptive side. He was kind of a quiet, shy guy. He he was tough to coach. Great athlete, but the girls were just always, always wanting more. They always, mm. you know, like you said, that when, when a female athlete sets a goal, you're not stopping from like getting her to that goal. Like, you know, you, you do what you can as a coach, and for the most part, you back off. You know, especially in track and field, in, in the throws specifically, you don't want to overcoach. It's, yeah. you know, there's there's so many things that you can say to an athlete that'll just tip them off. And, and you just, you ruined it. And something that uh, Coach Jason Miller asked me post-interview was, what's your biggest mistake? What's your biggest coaching mistake? And immediately I knew what to say. I said, I had a female shot putter this past spring, and I started talking state titles way before hmm. I should have ever, that, that, those words should have never came out of my mouth. And, you know, I saw the potential for it, and I got excited. Holy cow, like, we can win state. This is going to be incredible. Like, oh, my gosh. Incredibly selfish thoughts, you know. And and whether or not that got to her, whether or not that's, you know, the reason we didn't win state, I don't know. But I, I think it played a pretty big role because when mm. we got when we got to state, when she got in that ring, she, she wasn't herself. She was a nervous wreck. She scratched her first two throws. And, you know, I mean, I was fighting tears back. She was she was wiping tears off her eyes, walking into the ring on her third throw. And yeah. if you're not if you're not familiar with track and field events, uh, you you get three attempts in the prelims, and then if you make finals, you get three more attempts. If you don't get any attempts in prelims, they're all three scratches. You're out. That's it. You're done for the day. She was the top dog there coming in. She was a number one seed, and she didn't have a spot in finals until. She walked in on her last throw and hit 38 feet, 10 inches. And not a PR, pretty close to her PR, but the clutchest throw hmm. ever. Because that was it. That was it. That won her state medal. That got her fourth place. It wasn't the title that we wanted, but we got it, you know? And I, I, I got a photo of, of me, like, just, like, holding her, just a huge smile she's there she's sad about it still it's an awesome photo but you know like i was just so excited for her like yes like now it's time we can turn it on we can do mm. this like we have time to win this we got three more throws baby like let's get it you know i was excited and uh we didn't end up getting it but <laughs> it was uh 
I do believe like that, that, that played a big part of it. You know, I, I should have just, you know, stuck, stuck to the game plan, mm. right? Let's, let's talk state titles when we're in the state finals, you know, let's talk district titles when we're at districts. Let's, you know, let's be a regional champ at regionals at state. It's all about getting to the finals. That's mm-hmm. it. Once we get into finals, let's start playing chess. Okay. Okay. I got to beat this girl. I got to beat that girl. Okay. Whoa. Now we're in first. That's the sort of thing that you have to do in track and field. Because at the end of the day, PRs are awesome, but we mm-hmm. want medals. Everybody wants to bring home a state medal. It doesn't matter if you had a PR to do it, if you had a bad day to do it. If you got a first place state medal, nobody's taking that away from you. That's entrenched forever in history on athletic.net. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. Everyone's a win. Yep, exactly. No matter if it's a point or fifty. Yep, a win's a win. If you win by um, a field goal or whatever, it's a W. Exactly. What's it like coaching through sort of these mental blocks that athletes can have? Um, it's tough because you know, in in a team setting, I think it's a little bit easier. Hey. Mm-hmm. You know, like these guys believe in you. They're relying on you, that sort of thing. Especially in football, it, it seems to be like the the mentality on you know mental blockage is is not so much there. But in individual sports, um, I, I can attest to. Obviously, you know, in, in the throws, it's it's incredibly technical. It's incredibly mental. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, we're throwing a ball. That's really it. You know, and and. And kids get so tied up in the technique of it that they're walking in the ring, and they're thinking, "Okay, now I got to sit back on my heel, I got I got to turn, I got to pivot on my left foot, I got to keep my left arm long, I got to get my left chest wide." You know, you're thinking about all these things while you're trying to compete. Mm-hmm. Where in football, it's like, "Okay, I got a guy in front of me, I'm I'm gonna put his ass in the dirt. <laughs> like that's that's it. That's my goal. Put him on the ground so my running back." can get five yards, 10 yards, touchdown, whatever. And so I had a, I had a shop, a male shot putter this past year as well. He, he had a pretty tough meet one day and, and, you know, sometimes, like I said, you just got to step back from coaching Mm. and kind of let them deal with it. And I let him deal with it for a couple hours. He was, he was down there. He was hitting drills in the hot sun, just, just baking himself. I mean, he was drenched in sweat. It was, it was like, I couldn't do anything for him at that moment. I knew that if I talked to him, he would just, he would shut down. Like, I don't care, blah, blah, blah. Because, he, you know, he was having a tough time. He wanted to succeed, and we just mm. we couldn't really get it to click. Big, strong kid, athletic, state champion in wrestling. You know, everything was there to be successful, but we just couldn't get it to click. And... You know, he hated himself for it. He's a winner. You know, where I'm from, wrestling is is the biggest thing. And if you don't win a state title in wrestling, where I'm from, then you're a loser. Like, that's it. And, you know, so he's he's got himself up on a very high horse at this time. You know, he's coming stri- stri- fresh off of a state title in wrestling. He's going to try shop it this year, and he's going to go to state. That's his goal. And I think we took, like, sixth at districts. Ended up. So, you know, you got to place the top three to make it and, and we weren't even relatively close to it mm. so you know he, he he was pretty beat up on himself and he he just sat there and he drilled for hours i mean they were like where's daryl at he's he's down there by the tree still he's still still drilling still drilling that glide it's like damn man he missed 
he missed this throw, he missed that throw, and I'm like, I know, I tried to get him, I tried, but you know, it's 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 tough for athletes, especially young yeah. athletes. You know, they're teenagers, man. They they don't even know who they are. You yeah. know, they there's remember when you were a teenager, like you didn't know what the heck was going on, and then you got to do this, you got to do that. It's like, oh, now I want to play this sport, and oh, this is way harder than I thought it was going to be. It just takes a toll. It takes a toll. Yeah. So, go. Th- can you go through the sort of mentality differences between high school and collegiate? Yeah, off the bat, uh, the team aspect is is much greater at the college level. There's um, there's a break. Every sport they put their, their they throw the horns up here for the herd. Throw the horns up. Bison on three. One, two, three. Bison. Everybody's screaming. We're all together. It's all about the bison way. That's it. It's all about us. We are a representation of this logo, and Mm. we will be successful for this logo. They don't have no sport here that has names on the back of their jerseys. No sport has names on the back of their jerseys. They ask the athletes here every single year if they want names on the back of their jerseys. They all say no. We play for the logo on the front not for the name on the back. Mm. It's and and that's that's specific to North Dakota State, right? But still, you know, even at UW, it was all about it was all about the team, getting better for each other, you know? And like the <laughs> the um the offensive line that I worked with, you know, mo- those guys weren't starters, but they were working like mm. the starters. They were working arguably harder than the starters. Because that's what they need to do. You never know when you're going to have to go into a game and be a part of your team. You have to be willing to sacrifice everything for the team. Hmm. But the high school level, at least where I was at, it, it tended to be more individualized. You know, guys wanted to be, you know, uh, all league in football. Okay, that's awesome. But what does you becoming an all league football player do for us? You know, what does, does that get us to state? Because you got voted into the all league team. Does that get us a state title as a team? Because you're mm. part of, you know, this council omitted team that doesn't really matter at the end of the day. No, none of that really matters. That's awesome that you had three interceptions this game. We lost by four touchdowns, but it doesn't matter because I had three picks. Yeah. Oh, like the team, the logo, you know, we, we lost today. Well, I didn't lose. I, I had a good game. No, you, you lost too. I had an athlete say that. When he, he missed a game as he was doing a college visit and, you know, somebody asked him, you know, like, hey, man, what, how'd you guys lose? What happened? And he's like, I didn't lose. I didn't play. No, you, you lost. That's your team. And you, and you lost as well. Just because you weren't there because you were somewhere else, that's your team and you lost. And it, and it, it was, it's, it was sad to hear, hmm. but you know, maybe maybe that's just the, my you know my experience being from a small town, small community. That's how it was, but um, stark stark difference. Uh, yeah. Just the love for the team is is much greater at the college level. So how do you get that same connection with individual type sports? So like track and field is predominantly a solo. Um, building culture, I think. I think culture is always the answer. Um, mm. As corny as it sounds, culture wins. Culture always wins. And if if I'm building a track team, the first thing I got to do is hire my assistant coaches. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I can go out and hire Coach A, who has done 
this and that at the college level. She was uh, an Olympic hurdler, whatever she was. Or I can hire Coach B. Coach B has worked at the high school for eight years. She, uh, she's been voted like student's favorite teacher, you know, 15, 20 times, whatever. And she competed at the high school level and made it to state once. Who would you hire to be your first coach on staff? The people's favorite. The people's favorite. Exactly. Because I know if I hire Coach B, she's going to run through a brick wall for these kids because she shows them respect on a daily basis. They show her respect on a daily basis. And they're going to buy into what she says because they believe what she says is valid. They believe what she says has substance. Just because Coach A has success at you know the professional or college level doesn't necessarily mean that they're the right fit for that program, that school, or that sport. Mm-hmm. In general, you know, um, you, you have to build culture again, that top down view, right? You have to build culture from the top. So it trickles down to the bottom. If I'm, if I have a bad attitude coming in as a head coach and, you know, my, my, my assistant coaches walk in and they're like, morning coach. And I don't look at him. I don't say nothing to him. They're going to be pretty upset. So they're going to mm-hmm. go in and, and they're going to get bad attitude to the interns. Okay. Now the interns are upset. Now the interns are giving shit to the athletes. Well, now the athletes are upset. So now my whole my whole day is ruined because I gave bad attitude and my culture wasn't there from the show. Mm. Now all the athletes are having bad lives. The interns are all mad and grumpy and don't want to do nothing. And my coaches are, are not on top of their game. So if you don't have culture, you don't have anything. Yeah, we've previously spoke about this, and it's sort of came down from, for you, John Piper, and for me, Rocky, who was my original strength coach. And it was sort of like, they're not there just to build athletes. They're there to build humans as well. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was sort of like, he, he pulled me aside, though, and he was like, okay, instead of doing whatever you're going to do outside, which I know isn't going to be good, come in here with me i'll you can have the gym for cheaper you can help me coach athletes let's get that going so you don't have to go out there and do whatever you were doing so for me it was like he saw me more than just an athlete he saw me more of like let me develop him as a person as well and i know you've got the same type of relationship with john piper so can you like sort of go through and give us a little rundown on how he developed that side of you as well yeah, so, I mean, I think it was pretty clear that I wasn't going to be, like, this amazing athlete to, to, to Piper. Like, he kind of knew that. He never really – he never told me that. But he just knew I wanted to work hard. And I think he knew I'd be, you know, potentially a good coach someday. And that's why he, he pushed me to pursue to pursue exercise and to pursue strength. Um, you know, I haven't really communicated with him much. In, in the last couple of years, I just saw him recently uh, before I left to Seattle. But as far as my youth growing up, it wasn't it wasn't like increasing my max on squat was was the biggest thing in the world to him. When he would see me succeed in other places, that was huge. Mm. You know, that was big for him. You know, you know, oh, I got an A on this test. Oh, Isaac, that's incredible. I'm so proud of you. That is awesome. You know, you're going to do like this and that. You're going to be incredible. And it was like, oh, you know, he'd see me max out on deadlift. Like, oh, I got a 500 pound deadlift now. 
nice job. You know, it's, it, it had it carried a little more weight when I did something outside of the weight room for him. You, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, he he cared a lot about my development uh, early on outside of uh, outside of college or outside of high school, going into college. And I kept relatively close with him, and then I got a new number and just got lost in it. But I I remember texting him one night, and it was it was a late night, and I. I think it was it was after the Andy Reese boxing match. I'm not sure if you keep up with boxing, but Andy Reese beat uh I believe Anthony I think it was Anthony Joshua, knocked him out. Mm-hmm. And that to me was the coolest thing. And I cuz you know he doesn't look like the kind of guy who's, you know, an athlete or whatever. And he looked very he looked like me, which was the cool part. I was like, "Damn, like this guy's got my body and he's in there like tearing it up." So I was like I was excited and I remember sending him that and uh, sent a video. I'm like, hey, did you see this? He's like, oh yeah, that's awesome. And we just we're, we're texting for like 20, 30 minutes, and he ends up calling me, and we, we just talked on the phone, and and I got pretty emotional that night. You know, just kind of the stress of school was really starting to mount up. My life was kind of my life was crumbling to pieces. To be to be totally honest with you, I was I was in a dark place, and and we just talked for for a long time. And, you know, he, he made sure to let me know that he's he's always there for me and that he's got my back and he cared about me as a person. You know, he, he didn't yep. he you know, never once did did any sort of athletic accomplishments come up or hey, remember that time you got all league or remember when you threw forty three feet in the shot put? Nothing like that got brought up in that talk. It was, you know, one thing that he said that's, that's always stuck with me because I, I felt like I was failing. I was I was failing as a person, I was failing as a scholar. And he was just like, like, you're not failing. You're not failing. You, you can never fail. And, you know, I, I hear his voice say that all the time. And, mm. and just it, it, it stuck with me. It, it helped me through that day. And, and I would like to say things got a lot better for me after that night. But it, it took me it took me a couple more years to, to really um, to really get my stuff together. And but that that was a huge huge thing for me that he just you know he was on vacation even <laughs> at that point yeah. i think it was like it was like seven in the morning for him where he was at he was on vacation and, and he took his time out of you know his vacation to just sit there and talk with talk to me and remind me how important i was to him not only through high school as an athlete but but now as an adult mm. and you know just the genuine care was something that i'll never I'll never forget. I'll always yeah. be thankful for. No, hundred percent. It's like that. It's it's again. It goes back to that human connection. How they've built up this, obviously, coach. But then they they have that trust with the athlete to be like, times are tough, but like, let's go. Yeah. Like, yep. you have to get up and you have to go back into that ring and just keep going. Yep. And like I mentioned this before the podcast and. I now realize that you've wrote it down and it's now in your desk, but shy boys don't get sweets. Like that's something that one of my coaches said to me and like, it's taken me like all my life. Like it, it, it dictates everything that I do. So if, if I see an opportunity come up in my head, the first thing isn't, Oh, I'm not going to get it. Or what, what if this, what if that my head's like shy boys don't get sweets. Yep. Let's go. That's that right there. You know, I never heard that quote, but that's how I ended up here at North Dakota State. That's how I ended up at UW. I applied for a job that Coach Matt posted. I knew that I wouldn't get. I knew I was underqualified. I didn't have my CSCS, 
but I applied. I said, you know what? Yeah. I don't care. This is my my dream. When I when I realized I wanted to work in strength, my dream was to be Coach Mack. I wanted to be director of performance for football at the University of Washington. That was my dream job as a kid. And mm. I was like, this is it. I can work here. Like I, you know, I, I'm gonna apply. And I the next day he was like, yeah, no. <laughs> like basically that's what the email said they, they always say what's funny is like they always say like the worst thing someone says someone can say is no but he said like something along the lines of we have we have many more qualified candidates who have applied i'm like that's way worse than saying no <laughs> so i was i was a little i was heartbroken obviously i'm like damn you know but i didn't really know how the field worked at that time mm. i was just kind of whatever i shot my shot and boy did i miss but following you know that after he you know roasted me for not being qualified he's like <laughs> i think this opportunity art with our internship would be perfect for you and and he sent me zach's email and I emailed Zach two days later, I interviewed and the next day he offered me the internship. So, you know, I, I'm thankful that I applied for that job because if I didn't, I, I don't know where I'd be. I don't know what I'd be mm. doing. This wouldn't have been happening. No, exactly. Yeah. I, I think that's what's so cool about the, the program down at UW is like the connections you build are like long lasting. Like yes. I still keep in contact with Chu. I still keep in contact with Nate, Colin, like Colin's now at Texas coaching a, an American football team. Really? Like, yeah. So to me, I'm just like, I'm in the UK. So like all these guys are like doing all these big things. And I'm just like, I get to like speak to them. I get to like, we're yeah. friends. Like we went out for dinner. Like we've done, we woke up at five o'clock in the morning to coach at six every single morning for six weeks. Like It's like, it's these unique experiences that sort of, build these relationships, build these connections. Like, I'm sure you've got similar with, like, the interns that were there at that time. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Like, I think it was uh, about a week ago, maybe two weeks ago, I was uh, at Walmart, and I heard a Taylor Swift song come on, and I immediately nah. started recording. <laughs> I sent it to Natalie, because she's a huge Taylor Swift fan. <laughs> and, you know, just that kind of stuff, right? Um, you know, a lot of my former coaches I worked with, I went back home for a little while, and went to a couple of football practices and, and they asked what was the best part, you know? Mm. And uh, the first thing that came to mind was Roma Dunze. Cause that guy is a freak. And just watching that guy move, I was like, yeah, this guy, that was the biggest thing like that. He's amazing. But realistically, the best thing about the internship didn't have to do with an athlete, didn't have to do with strength, didn't have to do with, you know, learning under coaches or, or working, you know, at a division one school, it was making friends. It was it was building bonds with people that are interested in the same thing as me, that want to work in the same field as me, and just want to build genuine connections with people like that. Like that that was the best part, undoubtedly. You know, I wouldn't trade that experience for the world. You know, mm -hmm. I, I, these are long lasting relationships and, and friendships that you know hopefully will last forever. You know, they they're they're friends, they're colleagues, and. And, and I cherish each and every one of those interns that I worked with at the University of Washington. 100%. And it's like you're sort of in the battlegrounds just like duking out with the responsibilities because like you're getting pulled a million and one different directions and you're just keeping up. Yeah. Like you just have to keep going. Because like for me, that there was definitely days that I was like, like today is not the day. Like 
there was I think it was my first week. Obviously, I came from the UK, so there was jet lag. There was like I was run down because of like the awful experience that I went through getting there. Mm-hmm. Cause border patrol ain't nice. Yeah, I heard about that. I heard I heard about that in the other. <laughs> so uh, yeah, the Portuguese passports apparently don't fly well. <laughs> um, but like I got there like the first week or so, like I was just congested and I just like had to keep going. Like hay fever was at all time high. Like I just had to like show up, show out every single day. Because, like, for me, I was like, no matter what happens after these six weeks, they're going to remember who I am. Mm-hmm. There's nothing else that's going to happen. They're going to know who I am, and they're going to remember me for what I've done here. And, like, that was straight away, like, that was one thing that Coach Max said in my inter- exit interview was, like, by you doing what you did and, like, always thinking three, four steps ahead, I was able to get more work done. You made my life easier. And I was like, got him. Like that's mm-hmm. that was it. That's awesome. Like, in terms of like mentalities, and this is something that I've wanted to speak to someone about that has coached wrestlers and sort of done their training, done their coaching. What is their coaching like and training like, and how is their mentality towards their training? It's wrestlers are wrestlers are a different breed of people. To to start off with, you know, you have to be pretty freaking crazy to get on the mat with somebody look them in the eyes and when the whistle blows you your whole goal is to get that guy to the ground and make him not get up mm. and you know obviously you want to do it without hurting somebody but injuries in wrestling obviously are huge aye, aye. <laughs> so um the training it's like i said same bread and butter stuff uh, a lot more pulling uh than pushing as with most programs but Specifically, like single arm pulls and stuff are pretty common. Pull ups are huge in in, in the wrestling training. Um, but as, as the mentality goes, it's attack, it's attack, attack, attack. In wrestling, you know, you you wait, right? You you, you kind of you want to set up your moves before you attack. You kind of you 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 don't want to play the waiting game. You don't want to be too patient in wrestling. You're always on attack mode, but you gotta set it up, right? Mm-hmm. And so the wrestlers get that, you know, they, they understand the setup because they, that's what they do. They set up moves all day. That's, that's wrestling practice, right? So they, they get that we have to, you know, set up our, you know, foundation on, on a, a power clean before we can, you know, get to the fun stuff, right? Um, so I, I'm lucky in that part. Now, I haven't got to in season yet. And mm. if you know anything about wrestling, you know that you got to cut weight. And people are not happy when they are in a significant caloric deficit. And whether or not they're happy or in a caloric <laughs> deficit or not, guess what? You still got to train and you still got to practice and you still have to go to school and study and take that exam. So, you know, I, I'm counting my blessings right now. <laughs> I got a great group of guys. They're wild. They're like a, you know, they're like a little family, man. Like these guys are, they're, they're just a wild little bunch. And, and I, I, I love them already. And, you know, every time I got this uh, uh, red shirt freshman, I believe he, he sees me, man. And, and it's great because there's, uh, I don't see very many Hispanic people out here. I come from a Hispanic community. My father is Hispanic. And it's great to see other Hispanic people around here. 
And every time he sees me, he lights up. He's like, Ike, what's up, man? He's like, what's going on, man? He's all excited. He's like, man, you walk in, you got this aura to you. And I'm like, dude, like, shut up. (laughs) I love that dude, man. He's so funny. And he's, he's a real leader on the team, though. You know, he's always first in line. He's always last one to leave. And, you know, he, he holds everybody accountable. And that's something that I love about him. And, and it, that's, again, culture, right? Yeah. Like, that, it, it paves the way. And, you know, as long as you have guys like that who can, who can help lead your team, because it's all, you know, coaches can only do so much. If, mm. if they see their other teammates are, you know, slacking off, and especially the younger guys, the younger guys are going to do what the older guys do. Yep. And if the older guys aren't holding it down, the younger guys are, are not going to hold it down. So, you know, the culture, the standard has to be there. And, you know, I, I got to rely on, on guys like Fern, you know, keeping keeping the energy high, coming in with a smile and being excited to lift weights. So for you, how important is it to have those type of athletes like first in line, last out? Uh, that's actually a huge thing for us here at North Dakota State. Um you always start behind the line. We have we have a we have a, a big like forty fifty yard turf that go, that like goes like right into our weight room. It's it's really cool. Um, you could look it up if you want to check it out. Uh, it looks just NDSU uh, Shack weight room, but um, it's uh, very important that the athletes are behind the line before we start a warm up drill or or a plyometric drill or, or an agility drill, whatever we're doing, and that they they do one rep beyond the line. So when they pass that next line. They still have one more rep, you know. We we always do one rep before the line and one rep after the line. You know, we don't we don't stop at the line. Yeah, so that's see right there on that the second row, that that's the turf right there. Um, close out of that one. Let me see. Uh, there's a right there. Yeah. So that turf leads into mm. the weight room. So we do all our warm ups, all our plyometrics, all our agility drills out there on that turf, and then uh, we just take them right into the weight room. We we meet up. Before we go into the weight room, talk about the day a little bit, um, and we get a break. Fives and all three, and we go in there, we attack it, and just have fun. That's that's a big thing for us here. We, we gotta have fun. Yeah, that's one thing that I thought was just in the movies, like the three, two, one, and break. Oh yeah, you didn't. need yeah. no break out there across the pond. Oh, no, we do not. Really? And like, yeah. Which I like. I've always wanted to do it because I've seen a lot of American films. So, like, <laughs> I'm just like, that's sick. Oh. But, like, the first first ever workout at UW, like, Coach Mark blew his whistle, got everyone in. As soon as that happened, he was like, let's break, guys. Someone was like, dogs on me, dogs on three, one, two, three, dogs. And, like, it, everyone just broke out. And I was like, this is a thing? Like, this happens? And oh, yeah. they were just like, like, I obviously didn't say that to, to anyone. I just kept it inside, but inside I was like, yeah. this is sick. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's real. And, uh, that's... and then AJ turns his music up to 100. Yeah. And we were just shouting. And, yep. Like, my first workout was freshman, like the freshman introduction. Like, that was my first ever like introduction to it. And oh, I was so you were like, on like set one? Like, yes. Okay. Yeah, 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 that's yeah, it, yeah. That kind of stuff. Damn, yeah, that's so, the first one. Yeah. That's so tough. for me, I was just like, let's fucking go. Yeah. And then that that's was it. Like, I was just, I was hooked. And like, from that, I was just like, there's nothing that, like, everything that I've learned at UW, I want to bring it across here. 
because for me it's like it's like what you've been saying all this time like culture is the biggest factor in taking the the athletes from okay to to excellent Mm -hmm. it's like if you have that culture and that culture is right like there's there's nothing that you can do that will either like even if you do lose if that culture is still there they're going like guys we didn't do our jobs this this week but we go again yeah it's a brand new day tomorrow yeah then that that, that's what culture is right like sure we didn't lose we feel bad about it but our culture isn't to sit here and mope and groan about it our culture is to get back to work and make sure it doesn't happen again yeah you know it's 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 facing adversity and and dealing with it head on it's not about running away and that's you know that's the biggest thing about um like track and field too is like when you when you lose something you don't ever want to feel that again and you know when when uh this past spring when when my girl took fourth at state you know she came up to me i mean she was i mean crying her eyes out right we wanted a title we didn't get it and you know i pulled her in gave her a hug and i'm crying at this point (laughs) you know because i feel bad for her as well and i'm i just told her i was like never forget this feeling never forget this feeling because every time you want to take a rep off this summer every time you want to you know you don't you want to take a throw off come next spring remember this feeling seasons are one in the preseason yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. like i firmly believe like the when i was coming up in rugby like the harder our preseason was the better we did on season like we we ended up winning the league we won kings of the sevens we went to paris won the cup there like we we just did it like there was nothing that any team could do to stop us and we were just like we put in the work like those preseason trainings were brutal like there was a, a lot of athletes just went to the side of the pitch spewed came back did it again yep, yep. and like it's it's kind of like that now what i know as the dog mentality yeah yeah it's you know there's 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 dogs in this world right and and a lot of us aren't dogs you know you, you don't really find out if you're a dog until until you you get some push adversity when push <laughs> comes to shove are you a dog or not because because everybody can hear your bark and it don't sound like you're barking very loud 100 percent. and that, like i think that's one of the biggest things that I like to put across to my athletes is like no matter how tough like swear at me all you want okay with that if you hate me at the end of the session cool let's talk about it again on season when you're like facing in that dark dark point of your game or thing and you've got more to give than they do Mm -hmm. then you can be like actually it's all good yep Yep, that's what that's something I really like that they did at UW was uh you know when it was a, a run day outside mm. like when it was the last go especially like on a track day when they would run the perimeter um they throw their dubs up for the last rep and somebody's got a little something to say for the team mm. you know my first day there it was it was Michael Penix and I was like okay this dude's a leader like this dude wow. Like he yep. really just he said all that like right before our last rep of the day like that was to me that was one of the coolest things I ever saw to that point. Uh, I was just like, wow, this is I think, sick. 
<laughs> I think that's something that Coach Mark, obviously Coach Mark's Coach Mark, and he does like it's just Coach Mark. But he, yeah. what he does really well is like at every single morning without fail, he has the leadership book out, and he's reading something from that leadership book to all the athletes. And like he he goes through these rules, but really those rules are laws. Mm-hmm. And like he's he's not just building again. He's not just building athletes. He's building humans. Yeah. And like he's instilling leadership into them. If you have leadership, you get the world's your oyster. Really, like if you're a born leader, or if you actually, I don't really believe in born leaders. I think they're developed through time, through experiences, through life. But if you can give these kids like these specific rules to go by, laws to go by, they already have in their head. When push comes to shove, I'm going to lead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot. Something people just really, you know, I, I call them normies or general pops, uh, whatever you want to call them. <laughs> people outside of the business, um, they struggle to get it right. It's like, yeah, I'm a coach, and yeah, I want I want these kids to be incredible at their sport but nine out of ten of these kids are not going to Mm. play ball in college now i'm at college (laughs) again nine out of ten of these kids are not going to play professional so what what, i'm just gonna send you know this adult out into the world Mm -hmm. without you know giving them you know developed skills over the past three four years that i've worked with them that's great their power clean looks awesome that's great but what have they learned from it? Mm-hmm. What are they? What are they gonna? Are they gonna be good parents? Are they gonna be better parents because of this? Are they gonna be better employees because of this? You know, th- those are the things that that people often look over and look past in coaching, because coaching for a lot of people, you know, I, I'm blessed to have you know two great parents growing up. I, I you know, but a lot of my friends, they didn't have that. They didn't have a you know a great home life growing up coaches raised a lot of these guys that mm. I grew up with and and you know you see it at the college level even more so you know a lot of a lot of guys are single parent households at the college division 1 college football level and these coaches they mean more to them to those kind of guys mm-hmm. and that that sort of thing goes so such a long way and you know that's something that people just don't account for they're like oh coach needs to win more games this quarterback sucks, just throw the ball, blah, blah, blah. What are we really doing here? We're, we're developing people. You know, yep. that, that's, that's the business we're in, is, is in the development of people. Which is quite hard for, again, I like to call it gen pop as well. But like, gen pop doesn't see what we see. Like, they don't see, they wake up, they come to practice. During practice, they're feeling low. They're feeling like, oh, I really don't want to be here today, but how can you as a coach make that difference mm-hmm. and push them? Like, how can you push those athletes that don't want to be pushed? So for me, the simple, like, without fail, every time an athlete comes in, the first thing I say is like, how are you doing? Good coach. How did you sleep? Terrible today, coach. I was like, okay, cool. Let's keep an eye on that. Mm-hmm. We don't have to push the push. We can just hang back. Yeah. Just get through the session. Like, how's, how's, did you eat today? Yeah. Did you drink today? No. Let's get some water. Let's get some water first, and then we can go through the training. Like, I, 
UW specifically, like again, some of these kids are coming in with sort of outside troubles. Some of them aren't even close to home, but they're still having to come in and do everything. So for me, it's like, how are you feeling today? One of them said, not good, like family troubles. I was like, okay, I got you. If you need, want to talk about it, I'm here. If not, also cool. We'll go through the session. We'll keep an eye on it. Go get something to eat from the kitchen. After. Yeah, a, a lot of a lot of people discount that, right? And that's where the interpersonal skills come in. You know, that's where having that bond mm. with your athletes goes a long way. Because if I'm just a guy who's who's hounding on somebody all day in the weight room, you know, for an hour, hour and a half, and I'm just a complete, you know, jerk to them. Mm. Well, they got to go home. What if mom's a jerk to them all day? What if dad's a jerk to them all day? And then they got a coach who's a jerk to them for two hours out of the day. You you never know, you know, and not this is mostly at the high school level, but you, you never know what a kid's going through. Yeah. And you know, you, you gotta you gotta pick and choose your fights wisely. Is is this gonna be worth it today? You know, maybe we should just hold this talk off till tomorrow. You know, I've I've had a lot of tough conversations with with kids. You know, give me attitude for whatever which reason it's like hey you know there's certain kids you, you can you can you know go right back at them and then there's certain kids it's like i let that slide talk to them one-on-one afterwards what's going on like you know is there something we got to talk about what do we have to figure out it's it's exactly that and i think again i've mentioned conscious coaching before to you and how much that book has done for me personally um but it's like you you don't know the home life of these athletes. So you're either going to be the same as what they're getting at home or you can be the difference mm-hmm. to their day. And I think this book really prepares you well for it. Yeah, because it go- it. <laughs> it's it's honestly it's 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 my Bible since day one. That's the first ever coaching book that I read. Really? And honestly, yeah, like and I've read I've read a lot of them. Some of them, I'm but like this one. Like if if no other book ever gets mentioned in this podcast, this is the one that you have to go and get because it it, it takes you through all these different personalities, all these different people, different situations in their home life, work life, and it just it makes you think about okay, they're coming here. I don't know the type of day they've had, so I'm going to make it. A fresh new day for them as soon as they come in here and like it's knowing who to coach a certain way you can't push someone that has had it hard all their life yeah you you kind of have to take a step back and be like okay you coach me today mm-hmm. i'll do whatever session that you want to do today let's bond let's bond over that first if we bond there there's more of a chance that he's going to be like actually coach money i like him i'll listen to what he's saying because like some kids obviously have a bad home life, bad life in general. But for me, I'm more interested in who they are and what they're going to be. So let's strip it back down. I'll follow you. I don't mind. I'll do a workout. It could be the worst workout. It could be the best workout. But we're connecting. We're bonding. And I think that says a lot when coaches can just take their time and just be present for their athletes. Yeah, exactly. It's you got to look past, you know, face surface of an athlete, right? You know, being an athlete is 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 part of their life. It's not their entire life. And, you know, 
to, to show interest in them as a person and, you know, being consciously aware of, of how they're feeling, you know, on a regular basis, you're just going to get them bought in even more. And mm-hmm. they're going to care about you. They're going to care about what you have to say. And they're going to trust you more. 100%. Like, is that. It's like, you're not, it's just being a human. I like to just say, you're just trying to be a human. And like, what you do, and you've said this before, is like, if you're a jerk to your, to your assistant coaches, they're going to be a jerk to their mm-hmm. interns. Interns are going to be jerk to athletes. And it's just that vicious cycle that you're going to go through. And then the culture suffers. And then you're losing games. That gets worse. You get more pissed. The assistant coaches get more pissed. Interns get more pissed. Mm-hmm. Athletes get more pissed. And then it just continues. Yep. And then people get fired. <laughs> so <laughs> that's another important thing. It doesn't, it's not so much here because there's not that much at stake. Like, obviously, like you want to do well, yeah. But, like, across there with D1, it's like if you have a sucky season, you're, See you're you going... it's win now, it's a win now mentality. And, and a lot of that, it, it starts again from the top down, it all trickles down. You know, you could be a great head coach, but if you don't foster the culture, through your assistants, through your strength staff, or your even even your athletic training staff, mm. it's it's not gonna work. It's again not seeing everyone as like different steps. It's everyone yeah. you're only as strong as your weakest link. Yep, exactly. That's something that that uh, Coach Cook, shout out to Zach, man. I, I got a lot of respect for that guy. Um, he and he instilled in me right away. And um, mm. he was like on on the interview or on the on the call where he. Uh, he uh, told me that I would, you know, be accepted into the internship. He's like, you know, I'm really excited to have you out here. This is meant to be a mutually beneficial mm. relationship for us. You know, you're going to benefit us and uh, we're going to benefit you. Like you get to put that purple W on your resume and, you know, hopefully, you know, you get something out of this career wise. And, you know, putting that purple W on the resume was awesome. And it looks great. When I print it out, I look at it, I'm like, hell yeah, like that looks killer. I, I remember when I first did it, I was so excited. But, you know, I got so much more out of it than, than, a, than, than a couple of references and a Purple W. Like, you know, I, I grew as a person. I grew as a coach. And it's, it's thanks to, you know, guys like Jack, you know, Natalie, you know, pe- people like that. that I, you know, I, I spent a lot of time with Jack and Natalie. So, so we're back. We had a little break. Um, but we started talking about CVs and how the process that you dub and what you go through to build these CVs. And for us, it was a it was two workshops, and then we had to present them, and then we got pretty much grilled on it. Which I personally like. I like getting grilled on things because if I if I get grilled, then I'm like, okay, let's let's fix it. Let's go back to the drawing board and let's go. Um, so. Obviously, you've mentioned that you sort of coached alongside your brother, your track and field um, winnings with them. Do you want to go into a little bit more about that? Yeah, so my brother, shout out Phil Aguirre. He's, uh, he was my high school track and field coach. He was a uh, shot put and discus coach for me in high school and um, never really got to the success that I thought I would get. Um, I thought I was a lot better than I was and it's kind of never really panned out. Also, we, we butted heads really bad, you know, being, being you know, 
coach's brother was was pretty tough. I felt shafted at times, but um, you know, I I got a better PR than he did, so that's that goes. <laughs> that, you know what I mean? Not much better. I think only a couple inches, but um, in all seriousness, um, I graduated and I went back home, and and he didn't really he didn't really ask. Uh, he he kind of just said, "Hey, I need a I need a plyo program for the throwers this year." And I was like, okay, I'll see you there day one. And I was there and showed him the, the plyometric program I made for the throwers, and, and he was digging it. And so that was really my, my first taste of, of coaching was, uh, you know, introducing plyometrics to the to this group of kids. And, you know, it, it's pretty simple, right? You know, at, at bare bones, when I tell kids we're doing plyos, we're, we're jumping. We're just going to do We're mm-hmm. just jumping. That's really it. And it's just squat jumps and, and ankle bounces, that sort of stuff to, to build up to the, to the more complex, like, you know, depth jumps and box jumps and stuff like that. Um, but it, it, it was it was a little awkward, you know, going into coaching my brother because, you know, we didn't work too well as an athlete to to coach, you know, relationship. But, man, did we knock it out of the park as coaches together? I, you know, it. It, it was kind of like the yin and the yang, you know, mm. Phil, Phil is really, he's, he's more reserved and he, 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 he's more kind of the technical guy yeah. where I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm a strength guy. So I get in there and I'm, I'm wild and I'm hyping kids up and I'm just getting crazy. And, you know, it, it was kind of like the, it was the one, two punch that we, we really were able to just to mesh well together as coaches. And, I designed the warmups. I did their plyometric program, and this is on on a volunteer basis. I, I just came out and volunteered my first year, and we got to state, and we had a we had a couple throwers to state, a senior boy and a freshman girl who I talked about earlier, um, and her name's Toddy, and we uh, call her Tots for short. But uh, she she was incredible from the jump. Right, we got her out to throw, and you know, just kind of started to build up and build up. Eventually, got to the state title or to the state championships, and he's like, all right, go warm them up. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I got I, I to gotta take these kids through a warm-up before they're going to compete at the state championships. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I didn't show it, but damn, was I nervous, man. Like, it was that was a big kind of – he didn't come with us, nothing. Like, it was just me and Daniel, and, and I warmed him up, and he ended up bringing home a fourth-place medal on his first throw. He, he, he locked nice. in which was crazy because he had the worst week of practice ever. I mean, this kid was, he was so nervous. His, his hands were slimy. I mean, he couldn't even hold the discus and it it was bad. It it was bad. And we kind of just cut our losses. We're like, yeah, whatever. He got the state, like, you know, that's a good season for him. Ended up throwing like 139 feet on his first throw and, and locked into that, you know, state medal, which was awesome. And, you know, I, I like to say it was the warm up, but I don't. I don't think it was. I think you know, we always preached it only takes one throw. It's something my brother always, always preached, even when I was an athlete. And that's all it took for Daniel. It just took the one throw. And so obviously, you know, he earned my trust there. And then and I warmed up Tots for the rest of her events. She actually made it in three events, uh, nice. both her freshman and sophomore year. Freak athlete, and you know, she just she can throw it, man. She's, she's good. She's one of those kids where you tell her, you know, tell her to jump and she, she asks, you know, to what building, 
this she's, she just can do it all but it is the, that first solo session is one of the scariest sessions though yeah it was it was uh it was scary man because I, I you know i wanted him to be prepared but i didn't want to fatigue him yeah and my brother trusted me with that my brother had been coaching throws since 2010 you know he was 12 years in he was like go do it little bro like mm. go do it and you know that it it carried a lot of weight for me it really did because he you know he's someone i look up to you know he's <laughs> he's he's the guy for me and I, i'm getting yeah. a little choked up like <laughs> he's <laughs> you all good he's um he's my best friend and you know i wouldn't be where i am coaching without him yeah uh, you know he's he's who i look up to he's who i want to be as a man as a coach as a father someday he's he's the guy and i just nah. i i got a lot of love for him <laughs> <laughs> now like 100 percent. like when you've got that bond with a sibling it's like no matter what happens like that's that's your guy like, yeah especially if he's like obviously he was 12 years in and he's just like little bro let's go yeah your time you know your time to shine yeah and that was it was nerve-wracking like i said but it also showed it showed me that you know he he believed in me he knew what i was capable of he he was aware of my knowledge and 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 you know that was a huge pivotal moment for me in my coaching career you know that was i mean i was 10 weeks into coaching at that point and my only experience before that was was a personal trainer's assistant you know like that's two totally different realms of of exercise and fitness if you will and you know going on into into the next season it was you know that that's when head football coach who was also that track coach mm-hmm. you know realized like oh wow like he trusts this guy you know he, he really you know he asked him did you do that because he's your brother or did you do that like why why did you do that and and he told him you know it's because i trust him and mm. my brother would never tell me that because that's just the kind of guy he is. so i had to hear this from jason smith uh who's you know another coach uh that i worked for and, and another coach that i was an athlete for in high school um it's a big love to jason as well um but i had to hear that from somebody else because phil would never say anything like that to me <laughs> but yeah um you know next season comes around and and smith offers me a paid position and and i was i was taken back you know like wow like that's that's awesome you know it wasn't about the paycheck for me at all and but just it was more of the gesture of it right like holy cow like i'm getting paid to coach now this is awesome like (laughs) this is great and so obviously you know i i took it up a notch going into my second season as as a coach and especially now paid you know, you're the low man on totem pole. You gotta, you know, I, you know, I'm really, I'm doing what Big Bro tells me to do. You know, yeah. I'm so, for the most part, I was coaching the newer kids and the shot put and 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 really just kind of like cracking down on on the on the nonsense, right? And, and making sure kids are staying, you know, on track and and not just fooling around because track gets a little foolish. If you've ever been around track and field, you know how it can get, and um, you know. He uh, he was just a great mentor for me, as not only as a coach but as a big brother. Um, we we went into the state championships. Obviously, we wanted to win it, and he he told me this past year because uh, he had, he he lost the state title with a previous athlete, 
and they only lost in the discus by a few inches. And he, he told me, he's like, I will never let that happen again. Hmm. And I primarily coached the shot put, which is where we were trying to get the title. And so that was, that's where I felt like I let him down. That's where I felt like I let my athlete down because I couldn't, I, I did something wrong. I couldn't coach her through a tough time. And I, I didn't work through the problems with my brother enough, hmm. you know? So that's, you know, now I just lost my first title and he just lost his second because in my opinion, I wasn't a good enough coach. Now, granted, that's probably not true, but that's how it felt, yep. you know? So I remember just being there, being an emotional wreck and he's like, it's okay. It's okay. And I'm like, it's not, man. I mean, that was one of the worst days of my life. It was, it so was how did you, how do you deal with that? You know, I just, I talked about it. You know, I, I talked about it with multiple people. I, I talked about how I felt and, um, you know, to my parents, they were like, Hey, how'd it go? And, and I just broke down. I, I was like, we lost like this. We lost. And, you know, my mom, she's constantly trying to see the light in the situation. She's like, she didn't lose. You didn't lose. Like you got a fourth place medal, you know, yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, we didn't want fourth. <laughs> Nobody wants to bring home a fourth place medal, dude. You know, we, we wanted the chip and you know, it, it, it was, it was tough obviously, but you know, like I just talked to them for a while and then, you know, me and my brother had a lot of conversations about yeah. it and, and I talked to, um, Jason Smith, we, we talked about it and I, and I, and, I, and then we, you know, we talked to Tots about it, you know, how, how, how it was going to affect her because at the end of the day, it's, it's about her. It's not about mm-hmm. us. Like we'd love to be state championship coaches, but it's not about us. We, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to take kids to places we could never be at the end of the day. That, that's what coaches do. Um, and you know, I mean, I wouldn't say I'm over it. I don't think I'll ever forget it or be totally over it, to be honest with you, man. I mean, that was rough. But, you know, just, just talking to each other about it. You know, yeah. what what did we do wrong? What did we do right? You know, is there is there something else we need to incorporate for those types of situations? And the biggest thing we got from it was we need more big-time meets. We mm. need more meets where she's not a shark swimming around eating up all the fish. She needs to get ate up you know, earlier on in the season so that when she gets to those tippy top meets, it ain't no thing, you know, been there, done that. Like I've seen girls throw 40 feet, whatever. I'm going to do it too. And, you know, just, just that sort of, you know, the reason why, you know, football teams schedule harder opponents so that they can, you know, play better in league play so that they have more competition when it comes to conference championships and, getting to national titles it's you know it's this it's the same thing behind that concept right you have to compete against the best so that you can beat the best yes you can't be the best swimming around with little fish yeah exactly i think that sort of relationship and means with coaches is really crucial too so like everyone's on the same page everyone's singing off the same hymn sheet everyone's sort of and I, I do, I really do, like, Coach Mark does this a lot too, and he's like, he constantly has meetings with the the interns, he has meetings with the coaches, he has meetings with the head coaches, and everyone's just sort of singing off that same hymn sheet. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Cause you, um, especially in, in that, you know, setting, right, you have to be on the same page with everybody. And that's kind of where where the track staff at, at Toppenish High School was, was kind of wishy-washy because 
we felt like there was, you know, coaches holding this standard and then there was coaches holding this standard. And it's like, oh, well, the jumpers can do this or well, the sprinters can do this. And it's like, nah, that's not sliding at the throws pit. Mm. Like, no way that's sliding over here. And, you know, that, that if you got to hold the standard throughout the entire program, not just, you know, individual events, whether it's a team sport or not. 100%. 100%. So what's like, what is one piece of advice that you would give new coaches coming up? One piece of advice, you know, I, I thought about this one for a little while. And I, I was going to write some uh, spectacular answer to this. <laughs> but honestly, it's it's so simple that it's going to sound almost dumb. Um, my mother always, always says this. There's no such thing as a stupid question. Mm. Oftentimes, especially in strength, ego plays a big role. And we don't want to ask this question because maybe we should know it or maybe everybody else knows it and and we're going to sound dumb for asking it. Well, I'd rather look dumb right Mm -hmm. now asking that question than to look like an absolute idiot in two weeks when I'm trying to teach something to an athlete or I'm trying to, you know, whatever it is, and I can't do it because I didn't ask. Mm. So I, I'm not going to be made a fool for not asking a question that I thought was dumb. So huge shout out to my mom on that. I know she'll love that. <laughs> There's no 100%. such thing as a dumb question. 100%. And like my time at UW, that was, that's what I did. I just asked questions. Yes. I was there to be a sponge. Like it, it would be the simplest things. AJ would be like, set up this rock. Cool. How? Yeah. Set up this way. Why? Why do we do it this way? I think it it's, there was one thing in particular that coach was like, that's well picked up on, and this is why. So we were doing, so obviously Coach Mark has his set warm-up for everyone. You get in, line, I think it's 25 or 15. Yeah, uh, 15 10 or 15. For, yeah. uh, for stretch or for? The first run series. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he has that. It's it's the same thing every single day. Mm-hmm. There's one day that switched, and I was like, "Hold on, AJ, why did it switch?" And he was like, "Well picked up on. It's because we're doing COD today." And I was like, "Got you." So instead, of, I think it was instead of just running linear, we did like karaoke's. We did like some horizontal stuff, and I picked up on that. And I was like, "AJ, why?" And he was like, "COD, got you." Um, Coach Tony as well. There was a couple of sessions where he stopped me. Like I was, like I was always running about, like fixing things or putting things back in place or fit, setting up for the next session. He stopped me. I was like, "What's your question today?" And I was like, I was kind of taken back because it was like, "Is it that obvious to ask questions every single day?" <laughs> um, and I was like, "We were doing dead bugs overhead, wrap dead bugs." So overhead, isometric, and then they did dead bugs. And I was like, have we ever done, like, suitcases? Coach Tony was like, what's a suitcase? Yeah, what is that? So it's essentially, I'll see if I can pull it up. Um, So it's essentially a bilateral dead bug. So both arms and both legs are going at the same time. Oh, okay. Okay. Like like a V-up? That's what, that's what, I, that's what I'm imagining. Uh, I'll show you. If it doesn't come up, I will get down on the floor and I will do it. <laughs> Hell yeah. No. Essentially, you're going, you're going, 
knees to elbow, if I can get it, knees to elbow, and then you extend it out, back in, out. Oh, okay, okay. So I was like, have you ever done suitcases? And he's like, what's a suitcase? So I showed it for him, and he was like, no, but that's a really good exercise. Let's talk about it. And I was like, just having that coach start to take it, his time out of the day to like go through an exercise with me. I was like, that's pretty dope. Yeah, that is cool. Who, you said, who, who, what coach was that? Uh, coach Tony, he would have left by the time you got in. Oh, yeah. Tony Bixler. Coach Tony. I'll see if I can pull him up. Um, he's he's a really good coach too. He's a bit militant. Um, what's, his, what's his last name? Bixler. I think it's good to have a militant presence in the uh, in the weight room setting. At least one guy. Again, that's the good thing about UW is like every coach is good at is really good at one thing, and like, yeah. but they're also all rounded. Mm-hmm. So like, obviously AJ Meathead, he's just any exercise progression, anything that you can think of, he knows. His programs are so detailed as well. He's so quick with it too. Mm. It's crazy because you could tell AJ something, and he's like, boom. Here's a progression of that. Boom. Here's a regression of that. It's like, uh, I didn't have my notebook out. Like, <laughs> rewind that. Let's talk about that again. But he, again, he's so fast. He's on to the next thing. He's he's four racks down already. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's that's the thing that I was going to say as well. Is like, Coach AJ. So like, okay. So what I chop down an intern position to be is like, you kind of have to read their minds. They're not going to be able to give you all the detail that you need because it's just not time efficient. Mm. So you kind of have to read that next step and ask effective questions to get that next step. Yeah. So I think for me, I was like, anytime that AJ explained something and got us off to do our tasks, I would stop and be like, okay, we're doing a Z press. Are we doing it on the floor in the rack or are we doing the Z press outside the rack? And he was like, okay, cool. Inside the rack. It makes more sense because the next exercise, the next exercise, is on the dub. Yeah. So for me, I was just like, I'll take my time to task a stupid question, but that's actually going to better flow the session. Yeah, and like I said, it's it's much better to think you sound dumb right now mm. than to look like an idiot later on. Always, always, always. Because and then potentially, especially in our field, you could potentially be injuring someone. You could hurt somebody. Yep. And at that level, like who who would say? Zach Cook would always say it. He's like, at this level, if somebody gets injured in the weight room, it's on ESPN. Yep. Everybody's getting fired. <laughs> like that's it. They're clearing out the whole room. You can't have that. This is a place yeah, to yeah. get for athletes to get you know healthier, to get to get stronger, for training not to get injured like that's the last place you need somebody to get injured is inside of the weight room under supervision 100% no way man can't have it happen and that it goes back to that whole complete team like one of the best sort of programming tip i got was from coach fink now he he run he like he does all the logistics of the program after yeah. he speaks to coach mark but for me i was like have you got any tips on programming because I, like, he was doing a program, so I was like, can you can you explain it to me? Like, Can you run me down your process? And he's like, yeah, right now I'm currently going through the push and pulls. They need to equal up. 
Like I need to have as many pushes as I do pulls. If they're not, so say we're working strength, so low reps, high sets, or high sets, low reps. On my accessory exercises, obviously the reps will be higher, mm-hmm. but the sets will be lower. So they kind of balance each other out. So for me, I was like, that that makes sense. Like to create a balanced athlete, you need to equal out the pushes to pulls. Yep. Develop both. And then I was like, do you have some like information packs that I could read on this? And he was like, I've got a textbook. I'll send you it. So from there, I just got this whole textbook where now I'm having to further read and further develop my knowledge base on this one thing. What did he send you? What book was it? Uh, I'll I'll send you it afterwards. Okay. In my emails. But I'm I'll curious. Send you afterwards. Um, and I'll post it on the in the description as well for anyone who wants to have a look at it. Okay. But it was it, it was just that it was just like a simple question turned into me now having a. a to go off of when I'm programming. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Especially because, like, I I know you had a way different uh, experience with Fink, but for <laughs> all of us this summer, Fink was like the guy like that you didn't mess with. Like, like Fink was just like this towering. Walks out of the weight room and you're like, okay, who's this guy? <laughs> like, just looking around and then you talk to him and he starts smiling and joking around and stuff. It's like. I cannot read this guy. <laughs> like I, like everything's a joke to him, but also he takes everything serious, and it, it's so, like I don't know how to talk to him. Super competitive, play rock paper he's, scissors. Yeah, he he uh, the rock paper scissors things killed me, dude. That was funny. <laughs> um, the the coolest thing Fink told me, and uh, dude, like I swear, this guy changed my life in terms of uh, shrugs. Cause I I always I love new ways to shrug. I want to get mm. big traps, right? I I want to have big traps. Is that Mike Tyson neck. Yes, dude. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so he he put in the program. Uh, I call it thirty for thirty now, but it's a thirty second isometric with the kettlebells, and then you do thirty reps. Mm. Holy man! I put everybody onto that. I'm like, yo, you gotta do you gotta do these shrugs, and that's that's all. Shout out to Fink, man. But I, yeah, I remember like, doing that. I was like. You're an evil genius for this. This is, <laughs> this is diabolical. Like, his programming is next level. That's like, because like he would, creative. he'd make all the, like all the sheets that you saw up on the screens and stuff. Like it was him that was like implementing all that. So for him, I was just like, I have to pick his brain on it. Like I have to, like, and then from that, it was the same as AJ. Like I asked him his process, and like. There was one meeting that we had with AJ, and he was like, I've got pen drive full of textbooks and books for sort of developing you as a coach. Come at the end, and I'll give you them. Really? So, like, as soon as I got home, I got my pen drive. The next day, I was like, AJ, here's my pen drive. <laughs> Load it up. <laughs> Load it up. It took, I think it took like two hours. Oh wow! Legit two hours to like I had to have a beefy pen drive. That's so awesome. like I got that. It's like I've I, it's on my computer. Like every any time I have a question, I go I go to these textbooks and I just like read. Like wh- where can I get this information from? That is really cool. That's awesome. I know uh, Cook kind of did the same thing with us. He he was our he was our coordinator. Uh, was Coach Cook, mm-hmm. and he. He put us on like a really cool 
uh, spreadsheet that he has for like just basic programming and all like this checklist that he just goes down each and every little block Mm. you know checking all the bases as he implements and like you know puts in an exercise to his program and i I don't know where the heck i started that probably on my laptop but man it's great like i i I reference it often like i'm looking at it and and i do it now not not to scrutinize when because I mm-hmm. uh, obviously like I'm not, I'm not go I'm not building the programs currently for my athletes. Um, I'm working under coaches, right? And eventually, like I'm gonna take over. So I'm I'm looking at theirs and you know comparing it to to this to this checklist that Coach Cook gave me and and my own checklist that I made as well through what I learned um, under Cook and under AJ and those guys. And I'm thinking, okay, like this is this is pretty much all the same, you know, mm-hmm. for the most part all the bases are checked, you know, throughout the week, whether you're doing three days a week, four days a week, two days a week, it's all about checking the bases. Yep. I think a really important thing about this industry as well is like the, the best coaches aren't gatekeeping. Like no, AJ, AJ sent me his programs. Like he sent me his database. Coach Mark sent me his database. I like I would spend hours with Cook and Coach Cream and I would like can I can you talk me through your Excel sheets? Like Coach Cream walked me out through all his sports science databases, Power BI. He walked me through his Excel sheets and like he said like he, he sort of drew a graph and he was like, Okay, you've got four different types of athletes. You've got your horse your your horsepower, like you, the athletes are going to go 110 all the time. You've got the skilled guys that are going to go 95. You've got the people who are trying hard, but they're not getting there. And you've got the lazies, like the people that are just not working. And you kind of have to differentiate your spreadsheets accordingly to these athletes. Mm-hmm. Like there, there's a grid and you have to sort of match up where they are. So like, someone's 190% like heart, heart rate isn't going to be another player's 195. So you kind of have to know, okay, this horsepower athlete should be at a 200%. He's actually at 150%. What is going on there? Then you can pick up the individual athletes. Then you can sort of mix match and see what's happening and why it's happening. Yeah, I think especially as as i get into more teams right more male to female that is a huge thing right not only do you have to dictate through male and female like who's who's a horsepower who's a lazy you know who's who's the skill guy right you have to find those athletes and 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 be able to adapt your coaching and you know hopefully you don't have to adapt your program as much like i said like 90 percent rule right you want to if ninety percent of my guy, ninety percent of my team is is horsepower athletes, then this program's gonna go crazy. Mm. <laughs> but if ninety percent of them are lazies, then we got to do something that's going to benefit all of them. You know, not 100%. just ten percent who are gonna go insanely hard. Hundred percent. And like my my Excel skills developed so much from that from my time with Coach Creek, um, Cream. They were like, this is what I watched. This is how I learned it. Go. And I, I would get back to them and be like, okay, I've, I've 
had a look at some stuff, challenge me. Like, can you create a challenge for me to do to come back tomorrow and I'll show you how I did. Then you can pick it apart. That is, that's something that I really wish I I did. I, I Sometimes I think I didn't take full advantage because of the things that, you know, you tell me you did and, and that Jack started doing towards the end. I'm like, damn, like, am I getting everything out of this? Like, these guys are... These guys are playing chess. I'm playing checkers. Like I, for the most part, I was just, I was doing what I was told. I was, you know, falling in line and and asking questions, of course, but never to the point where I was like going into detail with somebody at their desk about something. You know, w- with Coach Cook a couple times, but I just kind of felt like I didn't want to be overbearing. I don't want to be, mm. you know, somebody that was just constantly like over somebody's desk, like, "Hey, what are you doing? Like, can I check it out?" But... <laughs> <laughs> I, I so think I, I kind of wish I I kind of wish I was. I feel like, you know, that that's I think part. Yeah, for me, it wasn't such like I I think I had this one opportunity to get this information because across here it's a little bit harder to like get one to one contact with these coaches. So for me, I was like, I have six weeks to get as much information as possible. So like every single day, I would do something to learn more. Like, I would sit in, in Ali's meetings with the players. I would go past her to the physical trainers. I would I would go and just, like, I couldn't do much, but I could pick their brain. I could ask questions. Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? I would I would go out of my way to sort of help out in the kitchens, speak to Josh, speak to whoever was in the kitchen that day. I would, like, I would go at the end of each session, I would pick up all the bottles, I would take one job away from the um, trainers to make their life easier. They already have to see 120 athletes that day. Yeah. So for me, I was like, I'll make their job easier because then if I get that done quicker, I can go and pester them. Mm-hmm. Very selfish. <laughs> that, no, but that's that. That's a great like. That's a great way to do it. Like that, selfish, like, yeah, I, but you were helping incredibly through that process. I think as well, like Jack, Jack did a really good thing was when he heard about me, he messaged me like he already knew that I had been there the year previously. So he messaged me like, how was it? Like, what, what do I expect? And I was like, I, like what I've just said, I said it to him, like, you need to think this as an investment. You're only going to get one chance to do all this, ask all these questions. So it's an investment. So you know, you're paying to be there, so let's make the most out of that money that you're spending and really get it worth. It's just like these, and again, I think it's just my mentality, like if I've, if someone's got a piece of information that I want, I'm going to ask for it. Mm-hmm. If then they don't want to, then that's no longer in my control, and that's on them, not on me. Yeah. But I've been fortunate enough that every coach that I've wanted to speak to, like they've they've openly spoke to me about everything well i mean it, it, yeah it's it's like what you just said earlier too like all the none of the best coaches are gatekeeping you know for the for a very long time it felt like that mm. but then once you once you start to get to know coaches and you're really involved in the business you realize one it's a small business and every maybe not everybody knows everybody but everybody knows somebody who knows everybody you know mm. like it's intertwined in one way or another, kind of like how 
you know, when, when I posted on my Instagram, right, I, I was at North Dakota State, Allie, the nutritionist, was like, hey, that's where I volunteered. You know, I, I work under Jim Kramer, who's the football guy here. And it's like, oh, nice. dude, like, that's so cool. Like, it's so small and intertwined, even through athletic training and, and nutrition. Like, it all ties together. And it's it's so cool because, you know, I have a feeling like we're all going to end up working together again at some point right whether it's an intern that i interned with or a coach that i worked for the likelihood of of ending ending up somewhere again together is pretty high and you got to make sure you didn't leave a sour taste in that that guy's mouth that girl's mouth because if you did that you're you're not gonna have a good time (laughs) 100 percent. it's also not burning these bridges like keeping constant contact obviously you don't have to speak every single day but like just be like, hey, what's up? I like that. I I messaged, I can't remember who it was, but I've, I constantly message people. If I see something on their story, I'm like, hey, that's awesome. Hey, this is great. Tell me more. Yeah, I think that it, it's so much easier now too with social media, mm. right? Uh, it used to be, you know, you'd have to you know call or text and you know have to almost start a forced conversation just to keep in touch with somebody. But now you just you can just slide up on a story like, "Hey, nice job, go dogs!" And mm-hmm. you know you that you just have that constant relationship with somebody that you worked with. And you know when when the time comes, hey, I applied for this job. Is it okay if I put you as a reference? And you know nine times out of ten, they're gonna say yeah. No, hundred percent. Um, we're two hours and a half deep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my gosh! It is almost five p.m. Um, is this typically this how long amazing. ago? Sorry? Is this typically how long ago? I can't hear you, sorry? Is this like how long the other ones were? They were like an hour. Oh, no. The other ones were like an hour, hour and a half. <laughs> so you you hold the record. You do nice. hold the record. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> no, this has been amazing. And obviously, like, it's a pleasure to talk to you. We've spoke before and it kind of ended up the same. Um, We spoke for hours. Yeah. Um, Do you want to sort of plug your instagrams everything that you've got going on and your brother stuff i can't see if my my brother's on x i don't think he has coaching stuff on his instagram but his instagram's kind of i don't want to put his instagram up there but he does have a coaching twitter i'd like to throw up there just to show yeah. him some love if i can pull that up i think it's coach filigiri on x did i have this ready to go sorry that's all good yep that's him right there Shoot him a follow cool. too. He's a cool guy. This lady is jacked. Yeah, that's Chase Ely. She's a world champion in the shot put. She's awesome. She she's a crazy. She's actually she was actually a hundred meter spinner when she was in high school. Pretty cool. Oh, yeah, now she's a world champion shot putter. <laughs> she's a that's, she's an athlete. That's it. That's what it's all about. Yeah, she's awesome. I love watching her. No, so this has been awesome. Thank you so much for taking two hours and a half out of your day. Yeah, dude, I would, I love it. I would do it again. <laughs> <laughs> Episode two is always in there. Heck yeah, dude. We always have more to talk. Awesome, awesome. Perfect. Thank you. All right, thank you, man. Appreciate you.